The whole of science is stuffed full of delicious stories, and we really want to tell you every damn one of them. But we've realised it's just too much to absorb. So, introducing our new line of wholesome snacks, TM. Each packet of wholesome snacks, TM, features a selection of new and tasty flavoured tales, consumed, concentrated, and reconstituted just for you. In this week's snack pack, brain pictures, save our corpses, medical toilets, Rolls-Royce on the moon, new space fashions, and super-duper conductivity. All right, William, I have some things for you. Mm. I have some stories, short stories. First one, from Futurity. The first map of the insect brain could shed light on thinking. So apparently it's the most advanced brain map to date, and they've done this of a uh, Drosophila melanogaster larvae, fruit fly larva. They fully mapped the I like fruit fly larva better than the other name. Drosophila melanogaster. So apparently the first time they mapped a brain was a four, there was a 14-year study of the roundworm that started in the 70s. Yes. They only partially mapped it. Gave up. But it resulted in a Nobel Gave Prize. Up. Oh, well, you've, fair enough. Halfway for Nobel. And so yeah. they've done the whole... The whole fruit fly larva brain. How complicated is it? Uh, it's crazy. They said look, it's really difficult and time-consuming, even with the best tech. And apparently it requires even a simple one. Uh, slicing the brain into hundreds or thousands of individual tissue samples. And then each one has to be electron microscoped. Wow. Like they're not fucking around. And then they even say neuron by neuron, manually they map the connections. Jesus. Manually. Oh, man. How many connections is this all up? Uh, We're talking 3,000. 3,016 neurons, 548,000 connections. Wow. Manually, 548,000. Wow. Was it a smart one or a dumb one? It was a smart one. And they they, they say, like they describe this thing as a breathtakingly detailed diagram. This only happened quite recently. Journals, uh, journal articles in science, et cetera, et cetera, of course. Um, but they were saying uh, one of the most uh, rich areas was in the learning and decision-making behaviours. That was the busiest, most This is in the baby fruit fly in larva. the baby fruit fly. That's its rich area in, in decision-making. Yeah. And learning. Yeah. Do I okay. roll over? <laughs> do I – yeah, what do they have to decide? Mm, uh, like, mortgages. Uh, <laughs> what they can do with their life. Should I? What do I do with the forty days available the to me? The meaning. What show they're going to watch tonight? Yeah, they're pretty much like that. But I mean, I just I'm disappointed and impressed. I'm impressed they've done it because it's the first one. Oh, of course. But <laughs> we're not doing well. They reckon. Okay, next one. Let's try a mouse. We yeah. might be ready within a decade to try a mouse. You, you know what? The thing that always about brains is yep. uh, we can know the number. Of, not know, but the number of neurons. Mm. Uh, I think human brain. It's in the trillion. When you do connections, it just gets to a gobsmack yeah. of a huge number because yeah. there are some neurons in the human brain that connect up with ten thousand others, and and you get to you get to networks that are just <laughs> shockingly big numbers. And and the thing that thing that fascinates me about this is how to try and understand. We are so far away mm. from understanding, let alone the network the, of this complexity. So yeah. that's why you start with the baby baby fruit fly. Yeah, that's I mean that's my question. What do you do with it when you got it? You look you at it and go, fuck, that's tops. Well, you can, be, you can be a baby fruit fly then. That's true. You, you can, can know what it's like to be yeah, one. You could put it in chat GPT and you could say, answer this as if you <laughs> as are a baby, baby fruit, fruit fly. fly. Yeah. I just like, I mean, the kinds of statements they're saying, for starters, the brain of a mouse is a million-ish times bigger. Yeah, okay. And they reckon if we're lucky, if we're lucky, they'll do that in the next 10 or more years, maybe. Wow, this is. 
And it's unlikely a human brain may be mapped in the near future, maybe not in our lifetimes. The fact they've done it, I have to say, hats off, bang hands together, et cetera, et cetera. Good for you people at Johns Hopkins. Here's another. This is a headline I quite enjoy. Highgate Cemetery. This is from the Times of the UK. Where Karl Marx is buried. The rest of the heading goes on. Marx's resting place considers heating graves. Because Carl gets cold in winter. It's a bit cold in your grave. Carl gets chilly. So apparently the cemetery, which is apparently it's Britain's most famous, obviously, because you'd heard of it. And, and you can maybe, is it so you can go and have a nice little nap on a grave? Far more pragmatic. I mean, you can anyway. Douglas Adams is also there. George Michael. A whole bunch of uh, uh, Iraqi communists. Really? Yeah, around, around Karl Marx's grave, there's a whole bunch of Iraqi communists <laughs> that, that, that bought all of the plots. And they're like, we're going to be buried next to Karl Marx. And it's like, oh, that's... They're allowed, ironically, because they earned heaps and heaps of money through capitalism and so they could be there? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That's going to be my bet. It's a a nice cemetery. Is it as nice as the Père Lachaise in Paris? Oh, better. Really? I don't know. I've I've only been to the Père Lachaise and seriously, it's the first time I've been to a cemetery and thought, I could hang out here just for the hell of it. Well, Jim Morrison's in the ground there. He is. I I walked past that one and many Rocking out. Oscar Wilde is there. There's lots of little bits of paper and, and lipstick marks where, I was going to say women, but that's not true. People just go up and go. On who? Oscar Wilde? On Oscar Wilde's thing. Jim Morrison's is classic. We're wandering through it and there's this, this dude, he looks like he's out of central casting. This little old man hunched over, sweeping a bit of the footpath, just sweeping pointlessly. And we watch. Galois is smoking every, the Everything but. <laughs> and these two young girls come bouncing up to him and they go, they just open their mouths and he just looks down and goes, eh. oh, that. Sticks his hand out. Like, it's that way. I go, Jim Morrison's this way. <laughs> yeah, but it's, okay. it's beautiful. It's freaking beautiful. But in this one, so there's a, there's a Friends of Highgate Cemetery Trust, it seems, the Times tell us, and they're worried about damage from temperature changes to all these mausoleums. So apparently there's, there's one in there, uh, uh, trust, the trust boss, a guy called Ian, he's, he's wondering whether we need to start to install heaters because they're getting busted up by a temperature change. And there's one that's there already. Newspaper Baron Julius Beer has a tomb that already has an electrical socket in it because well, I don't see what the big problem of, of what, how many heaters are we putting here? Thousands of graves. I mean, the point of a grave is it decays into dust eventually. Uh, the point of a mausoleum is it remains in perpetuity. No, no, no. You should decay into dust. Perpetu- that's what you think. But, I, I, but you're not a newspaper baron or Karl Marx. Are you? Do you really want your grave to be visible in, in 100 million years? I don't years? give a fuck whether I have a grave. Like, honestly, I, that – as much as I'm against death, mm. I'm realistic enough to know that afterwards, uh, do what you want, like whatever, lump of meat, enjoy yourselves. It lies a lump of meat. I know, and it doesn't even lie. But apparently this guy's tomb, Julius Beers, in 2022, it got so cold, the head of the trust says, that it froze on the inside and the outside, his tomb, and some of the glass tiles from the wall oh. broke off. Oh. It's dreadful. And so they said, we could have plugged a heater into the power socket to stop this temperature shift. But he asked a conservator because he said, uh, there's a problem. Sudden changes in the um, temperature, up and up or down, messes with the mausoleums. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, so this is why I'm saying allow it to decay too and don't worry about it. I agree. And don't build one in the first place. Although they're fun to look at. Wacky uh, mausoleums are fun. Yeah, but still they're weird. I, but, but for me it's that whole competing to spend heaps on a funeral. Like, of course it is. Like, I need, I need a fancy-ass box. No, you don't. I don't mm. freaking care. No, you really, really don't. I have to say what I, what I love about this one too. They were saying, look, to fix that one, because I've got hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold, um, 
it started to get really messy. And then there was another one, actually, there was another one where the charity decided to help the volunteers out. They would heat the chapel, which also had mausoleums on it. And it turned out that because it got hot and cold, the hot phases, heaps of moisture in the inside, which condensed. And then it was the friendly environment for furniture beetles. You know. <laughs> but apparently it cost 40,000 pounds to fix that particular problem. 40 oh. grand on, eh. you're not a fan? Not really. Let them go to dust. I think it's nuts. On, if honestly, you're using I think it's energy nuts. to do something like that. Just but they're even trying to make. Uh, they try to make um, financial arguments. They say, "Look, we we spent one hundred fifty thousand pounds or more in the last few years just on conservation work. Anyway, that's worse since climate change in the last ten or fifteen. So what they've said is, look, the the, the cost of repairing a a listed tomb, a special one, uh, of which there are fifty three thousand odd, it's two thousand pounds a pop." But they're saying potentially if we heat them and, and maintain their temperature, it could end up being cheaper. Jobs of late capitalism. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Although, although no, definitely there are communist structures that are maintaining stupid graves for a long time. Fucking awesome ones, though. No. I mean, you visited Mao's tomb? I've seen Mao. Did you not like it? I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chinese listeners, but uh, whatever he was to your country, you can also put him in the ground. And, I agree. And, and Though I did love Tiananmen Square. That's a cool square. I mean, that much paving. Paving to the horizon, very impressive. It's very like June. Pave. It is like June. Half of the planet, like as far as you can see, yeah. and then put doors, two-kilometre-high doors kilometer around doors. the horizon. I'm waiting for Dune 2 to see if they do that because they have to. If the doors aren't two kilometres high, the whole movie's ruined. All righty. How about this headline? This is from Futurity, but it's from really the work of Stanford University. Would a smart toilet leak your private info? Yes, it would. Yeah. Yes, we do. We, we all know anything smart is not very smart, but also yeah. leaky as a sieve and uh, all that data is going to those big data. My bum data. <laughs> I don't want my bum data going anywhere. Really? Yeah. I, I, this is where you draw the line. I, I'll allow my doctor to have my bum data. What about your, your wee-wee data? No, that's fine. Your front bum data is fine? That's fine. Winky data, no problem. So apparently smart toilets, they're not as, po- uh, as common as you think. I mean, I don't know how common. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think they were very common. <laughs> I. I didn't. Look, I know. I know there are friends out there that uh, you know. You do a wee, and it can tell you. Oh, you you're low on potassium. Yeah, you're eat, low. Eat more bananas. You're or, low on molybdenum. Yeah, exactly. Eat more the molybdenum. Molybdenum. I, I just. I, I get that that might be a healthy thing to mm. do. I just. Well, these guys were saying. Look, they're. they're there's a a version in the lab of a smart toilet and basically it looks up biomarkers and stuff, so which is great. And these people who are doing the research want it to become ubiquitous. Like when you put in a toilet, you also make it a smart toilet because apparently it's going to be good for us. You don't seem impressed. I just – all of these smart things are not nearly as good as they pretend to be. No, but this one's okay because public health (laughs) – you, you know that the, every single smart toilet, yep. like 10 years down the track, it's got some bug and it's sending you a notification that you've done a poo and, and it gets aspects wrong butt cancer. all the time. And, and it's yeah. just, you know, you, you're sitting at a coffee and, and like you just get a notification from your toilet. That's, that's, uh, it's just not going to be accurate. It's not going to be on topic. It's going to be so stupidly wrong. And just, it's, are you just against toilets? You think toilets are stupid? No, I'm not. I love toilets. There are times when I look at a toilet and I think, imagine if toilets were sentient. Why would you imagine that? I don't know. It's not my fault. It's just what my imagination does for me. And I think, would they love their job? Of course they'd love their job. That's it. They're going, I want more to swallow. No, but they've, they've, they've had a 
purpose constrained to the world and the, and, and the world that they're in says this is this is where I sit. We appreciate and you. finally, maybe they feel lonely and then they finally get to do a job every so often. Lonely toilet. Yeah, eating. Eating what? Look, I don't think it's one of the first things that will be, become sentient. That's, I hadn't even thought of that. That's like, if, like if we're putting AI in things, I think toilets are, <laughs> toilets are low down in the sentience. You know, you're worried about your car, you're worried about your computer, your house security system, but no, it's your toilet that starts telling people dumb things about you. But this one, no, they're really keen. So the, the researchers are saying, look, there are upsides for things like smart toilets could, could flag things like there's a lot of COVID in the water. I know. So that's right. I know. Now are you I'm, in? I'm, I'm, I'm not against some of that. I just think, I just don't believe that it's actually going to work. No, I think there'll be huge problems. But they say, the, the researchers say, no, it's going to be cool because we'll treat it like any medical data like that your doctor would have. So that's cool. Yeah. Now, it'll lead to these classic things like someone being told they're pregnant before they realise it or, or better, someone's parents being told about their child that yeah, they're yeah, pregnant yeah, before yeah. they realise. That, that should be fine. Anyway, that's new. Rolls-Royce secures funds to develop a nuclear reactor for a moon base. What? Did you see this? No. Uh, yeah. So yeah, apparently Rolls Royce now the scientists and engineers at the at that company they're working with a micro reactor program. So we're talking micro reactors on the moon, and they want to basically get them happening. And they're in partnership with the UK space agency. So the, I didn't know they had a space agency, but there you go. Of course they do. Three million odd pounds uh, being sent to fund the project. And as the science minister for the UK puts it. As we prepare to see humans return to the moon for the first time in more than 50 years, we are backing exciting research like this lunar modular reactor with Rolls-Royce to pine in new power sources. Partnerships like this between British industry, the UK space agency and government are helping to create jobs and on they go about standard stuff. So they reckon they'll have a reactor ready to rock and go to the moon by 2029. I don't love the idea of putting a nuclear reactor in a rocket because the only way of getting off this earth is a rocket. Mm. Scares me a little bit. But but I get I don't mind. as an energy source maybe maybe you could take solar panels but um, I say do it I reckon it's awesome confession I've been reading a whole lot about submarines at the moment small reactors in the submarine space allow things that are just not possible otherwise mm. I'm not against them look I'm I'm more and more turning towards nuclear energy as the only pragmatic solution for a number of things over oh, the next fifty up. years shut up you agree you just can't say it out oh, I don't. And of course, they, they go on to say, oh, no, no, this is going to be great too because of its, you know, terrestrial benefits like just what I'm talking about, micro-reactors on Earth. Rolls-Royce reactors. Yeah. They're very fancy. They're leather. Uh, with all the trimmings. Leather and Cup gold. Cup holders in your reactors. The best thing I saw on a Rolls-Royce. An, an umbrella in the door of your yeah, reactor. Yeah, you've seen the, 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 the Rolls-Royce umbrellas? Yeah, it's got an umbrella in the door. Freaking hilarious. That's the only reason to buy it. I told you I worked at a servo years ago where the British High Commission Rolls-Royce used to come in and get serviced. So the car would come in. They'd service it. The British High Commissioner chauffeur would take it away, and the mechanics would look at me and go, "You don't want to buy a Rolls, mate? Nah, they they leak too much oil. Nah, nah, too nah. much oil. Yeah, no. Other than that, perfect. perfect. I'd have one myself. Yeah, yeah. I'd have one myself. I'd probably have a couple actually. I'd raise the back, lower the front, boom. I'd yeah, make it a yeah, twenty-five yeah. I, cylinder. I, I was basically about to buy one the other day, and then I looked at the oil use. Yeah, it's, it's like shit. It's like it's ten percent more than your standard Holden. Yeah, phew, fucked up. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that's why I'm bored. The wastage of that. It horrified me too. That's when I thought, you know what? No rolls for me. <laughs> anyway, so there's a lot of excitement, continuous present of humans on the moon. And while you're on the moon, you could wear, next story. Yeah. Spacesuit for the return to the moon has been unveiled. Oh, cool. New spacesuit. You got me a picture? Well, look, it, there, there's one exists, but it's not on my piece of paper. Jesus Christ. I'm terrible. Jesus Christ. We'll drop one in. Here's an image of it now. Drop it into my brain. Is it a cool spacesuit? Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. You know how computers work. 
What's a computer? <laughs> I did this on a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. I'm you sure. wonder why it's always the same font. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently they're finally going to do one. So it's the first time there's been a big redesign since 1981. It's a while. Yeah, fashion's moved since then. No, what I love, what I love. What Pants I, went, 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 went. Uh, they went from down, wide, wide to skinny. Now, now they're back, back to, to wide. wide. Yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things we've got to embrace here. What I love is one of the biggest problems with I the originals. I would love to see a space suit. That, that, it was like, like skinny leg jeans. <laughs> no, I want, yeah, skinny to the thigh, to the knee and then flared out hugely for your yeah, moon exactly, boots. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Cool flared out space suit. <laughs> I'd wear that to work. So it turns out one of the biggest problems with the existing suits from 1981 so there have been scuppered plans to I, send women into space or to get them to do spacewalks and stuff because the suits don't fit women properly, yes. existing suits. Uh, NASA doesn't have a great record of, of addressing their, their no. problems of sexism. Like their, no. how, many, how many tampons shall we, uh, yeah. shall we send on it's, our space It's either mission. infinity or one. <laughs> We're not sure. It, it would be impossible to find this out how as well. How would you know? How could you possibly know? Let's just guess and put uh, yeah. 700,000. Yeah, let's throw 100 tonnes of tampons and a lady on the thing and see what happens. Like, you, did you ask her? No. Because it's also not hard. There, there are companies mm -hmm. that um, that do design thing clothes mm. for women. Mm. There are one or two of them. But they didn't know any of those. No, impossible to. They didn't know. <laughs> Look, there's a part of me that makes me happy because, like, of course he fucking did. So, like, in 2019, they plan to send an entire female team of astronauts to do a spacewalk from the International Space Station. To where? Around. Ah. You know, spacewalks. But that means go outside, float around, go back in. It's not walking. No, it isn't. They should just call it go sky, outside. Sky float. Yeah, but it's beyond the sky. Space float. Space float. Go space float. Doesn't sound as impressive. Space walk does. I, I feel like if they had thrusters on their boots that, that sort of they only activate when you, when you mind walking and you've got to slowly walk in the atmosphere. <laughs> do you know I would finally go to space if they allowed me to do that that, that would be the thing for me otherwise no it's <laughs> off the table <laughs> give me cool weird jet boots so anyway they, they said for this space station walk a couple of days before two lady astronauts were due to wander out they went oh hang on we just worked out none of the spacesuits would fit them so they got a dude to do it instead what? Whoa. clowns like you're fucking, like you said, like you're fucking kidding me. How would we you? Just how would you have found out? I would have thought the instant that you're going, okay, we're planning this mission. Yeah. you'd go. Let's try the spacesuit on whoever the person is. Whoever, whoever that. It's not a one size fits all thing. Mm -mm. I, I, I've never thought spacesuit is just grab one off the shelf. Or they're so damn big that you could put. Yeah, maybe. You know, the biggest human in the world in one, and it wouldn't matter whether they had all made purely of space elastic that just stretches to any any space decks, spandacious. It's something. But anyway, in 2021, the space agency, NASA, had already spent $420 million on space suit development, but it wasn't working out. <laughs> wow. I, I, I'm sorry. I've never done this, but how? You just know. How? I mean, this is the same story, uh, you know, NASA spending millions on the space pen. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and the Soviets using a, a pencil. I, pencil? I, I assume that the cosmonaut suit was was a pretty robust. It was tractor overalls. Yep, with with yep. some glass embedded somehow. Yep, and when in doubt, we weld. Yeah, welded tractor. We overalls. weld the problems. <laughs> Hold still, spaceman. <laughs> Sorry about you your eyes and elbow still. joints. <laughs> so finally, they brought in uh, they brought in the private sector because in America that's how you make shit work. And they gave them uh, 228 million bucks. Private sector uh, that make things for women or just private sector that make things space. for space. Axiom Space uh -huh. sounds actually quite macho. They got a contract last year. 
And six months later, six months, first prototype. Apparently it kind of works. It's flexible. It's got a bunch of fancy features. So they're hoping and they reckon confidently that – so the Artemis mission, Artemis 3 launches in 2025 and they're expecting that that spacesuit will be on it. On the moon. Yeah. Finally, Material Herald's New Dawn for Superconductivity. New Dawn. Apparently University of Rochester work and it came out of futurity again. March this year. Historic achievement. Researchers have created a superconducting material at both a temperature and a pressure low enough for practical applications. So you don't have to super chill it and you don't have to squish it like Venus or don't something. Don't keep it in the super fridge. You can use it at – okay. So apparently it's it's not common. If you had good superconductivity and power grids, you, oh, you wouldn't get all this bleeding You put them energy. in your grids. Yep. Levitation of fr- and frictionless high-speed trains. Finally. Better medical um, imaging. I know you if like If you need train. to levitate your medical imaging. And I know you like to. Faster, more efficient electronics for digital logic and memory devices. Levitating electronics. Yep. And my favorite, this is my favorite. You make uh, uh, tokamak or takamak machines better, you know, for nuclear fusion, oh, yeah. which is always 20 to 40 years it away. It is not always. It's, it's less always. than that now. It was like 19. It's down to, to 29. Down 29 years yeah. away. Next year, 29 years. But if you get this room temperature, or sorry, lower temperature superconductivity, that will help that as well. Sweet. In theory. And they've got it's it's great it's great. There's a bunch of you know it's basically there's a new kind of material. This stuff I've translated it into English. No, don't translate it. Give me the complicated name. No, this first. is a translation. A nitrogen doped lutetium hydride that exhibits superconductivity at 69 Fahrenheit and 10 kilobars, which is about 145,000 pounds per square inch or psi of pressure. So for, let, let's give you give you some kind of idea. 145,000 psi pounds per whatever square inch. Super inch, I thought it was. It's not a super inch. There's no super conductivity. There's, there's, no, there, super there's inch. no super inch. Like I, I know, I, I know the imperial system. Many is, women would disagree because <laughs> they've been lied to by men for so long. This, no, 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 this is nineteen super inches. <laughs> a super inch can't be short. <laughs> Makes you like, seem more super. <laughs> so one hundred forty-five thousand psi. So for a bit of a, an idea, sea level air pressure is fifteen. Okay. And what do you put in your car? 28 to 50 PSI? So it's, it's much more squishy. It's a shitload of pressure, but apparently we do regularly create higher pressure environments to do industrial things. Oh, okay. So it's not insane. So this is a good thing. I am feeling good. It is going to make nuclear fusion happen tomorrow. Finally. There yeah. you go. Tomorrow. Or 29 years. 29 years every damn year. So those are my snippets. That is our update. Now you are fully informed about everything that happened in the last couple of weeks in science. Back to the science. Back to the science.